0: Amen, amen. So I missed our, our meeting from last month. I always enjoy um, praying about the persecuted Christians worldwide and understanding more of the subtleties of persecution in this nation and uh, how God is going about remedying it <laughs> and waking the church up to, amen, to that it's time for war. You know, it's not time for... Uh, you know, jumping up and down, and um, you know what, what they say your skinny jeans what <laughs> skinny jeans and something else, and your oh your Starbucks coffee and skinny jeans, so yeah, you know I, the church is guilty of uh of trying to look like the world uh instead of being secure in what you are and letting the, the world pursue us, amen. Our uh our beauty is an inner beauty and so it's revealed to those who are seeking and those who are in need. And so I think it's it's appropriate that we understand that God wants us to um relate to the world in our inner man, not the outer, uh, you know, and we can't go ahead and associate like that, we can't get stuck on appearances. Uh, because the minute you get stuck there, God will leave you there. Amen. Uh, he He warns us many, many times over that it's the hidden man of the heart that He wants to bring out. That's the part of us that really has something to offer the world. Uh, not our little fancy talk and trying to, you know, look worldly and all that kind of stuff. But it's our, our the hidden man. Of, you know, just take it. Take him at his word. You have treasure on the inside of you. Uh, that needs to be revealed at the proper time. And it's something that only God can take glory for. We can't take credit for any of it. And so, uh, you know, most of the miracles we see sometimes, we kind of stumble into them. Uh, We'll say stuff like, well, I didn't know all this was going to happen just from that little thing that I did. But when we step up and do that little thing in obedience to the Lord, it yields great benefit. And that's a treasure that we are in the earth. So, amen. So let's always remember that. So this one, this issue deals with the church in northern Africa. And three nations, specifically Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, and Egypt. And so um, I think God would have us to understand how these nations uh form uh a a uh, framework or uh, an entry or a barrier into other parts of the world especially Europe. And so uh when remember when we saw Uh, all of the Muslims fleeing over into Europe. They came out of these nations. Um, Gaddafi, when he was dictator or what a ruler over Libya, always warned the United Nations that if they ever dethroned him, he said, I'm the only one who's standing between all of the Muslim influx that wants to go and invade Europe and other parts of the world. If you get rid of me, you will regret it. And as soon as they got rid of him, uh, we regret it because he was he was the force that was holding back uh, what we know now as the Muslim invasion of Europe, where many of these countries see the 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 United Nations is is tied in with a globalist new world order that wants no borders anywhere. That's why our current president got us out of. All of this stuff involved with all those covenants that are anti-American covenants. That's why he keeps speaking America first. So that's a warning to the, the globalists that want us to be part of, of this uh, global network. And it's really designed to, for a totalitarian because nobody said, well, if we're going to have one world government, who's in charge? So now you see all the liberals jockeying for position, the elites as we refer to them. Everybody's wanting a piece of the pie. And so we know for a fact that not everybody's gonna get a piece of the pie. And so some people are gonna have to work while others enjoy the fruits of their labors, amen? But God, so we can see where God put a stop and a hold on that, amen? And has thwarted the enemy's plan. That's why people are so hateful about it. Uh, you know, the Bible says when when a spirit is cast out, he goes into dry places looking to get back into the place where he was. And so if you get kicked out, say, for instance, you get locked out or kicked out of your house in the middle of the night, what do you do to get back in? You scream and you holler and you beat down the door and that's what what you see these people doing now. Uh, these people in this country, especially uh, the liberal element, the left of this element, you see how they scream out in the middle of the street and fall on their knees. Those are demons screaming through these people. I hope you all don't think that's normal human behavior. It cannot be explained any other way, but if you read your scriptures, you'll, you'll get some understanding. You know, sometimes look at these things and say, God, what is going on? Yeah, you know, what's that about? Well, that ain't normal human. That's, that's an, you know, irrational reaction to what's going on. And so those are demons who have lost their footing and lost their position. They have been kicked out and dispossessed by from their position of authority. And they're screaming to get back in. But God. So as believers, we need to understand these things. You know, this is not normal behavior. You know it's not and I know it's not. When do people scream in the middle of the streets because their party lost an election? You know, you just wait till the next four years and, and vote your person in. That's the way it's supposed to be done. But this screaming, this outrageous extreme behavior, uh, not human, demonic. Okay. And that's because they've been dislodged and in, in, in really it's a, a victory for the people of God already because governments don't change if strong men don't get cast out of their positions. So we've had a changing of the guard over Washington DC. It's already happened. Now I know you see some people who are late to the party and they'll say stuff like, we gotta pray. Uh, come on now. It's all over, but the shouting pretty much, not that you don't pray, but it's not an emergency because you see these demons kicking up. You know, it's never an emergency in God's kingdom. You just go in deeper to God and get revelation and understand what you're dealing with and how to deal with it. See, as watchmen, we have prayers already in place to take care of all of these things. So we just continue on our watch. Amen? You know, if a if a policeman is is guarding an area, he's in his area. If a call goes out, there's an emergency, it's the ones assigned to that area that take take authority over it's not everybody screaming at suppose a whole police force ran to one little robbery what would happen to the areas where they're supposed to guard so you know when it's time to move you don't get excited about this kind of stuff it's always the people that that just got awakened to the fact that prayer is available and they don't know how to get their orders for somebody who knows what's going on. So just let them do what they do. Okay. But don't let them pull you over there and get you started with something you're not supposed to be involved in. So praise God. Amen. So <clears throat> this one is from in, in Northern Africa. Uh, let me see which country. Well, we'll get to which country it is, but I think I'll read you what the uh, editor, <clears throat> this little passage that the editor, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, speaks once a month his monthly letter to the readers um, the title of this is their blood cries out it says the killing of Abel at the hands of Cain his brother should be understood not only as the first murder but also the first act of persecution in history God confronted Cain by saying what have you done The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. North Africa, which includes Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, and Egypt, has absorbed the blood of countless of our Christian family members who have willingly paid for their faith and witness with their lives. In the three centuries following the period accounted for in the book of Acts, the Roman Empire brutally persecuted its Christian citizens in North Africa. Now, you know, people will say, well, what caused caused Rome to fall? Well, now you know. You murder God's people, he's not going to treat you kindly. You know, your civilization will end if you start doing that. And so really the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs caused the destruction of Rome. You got me? Because that that is a sin that you just don't walk away from. You just don't do that and walk away and continue to flourish and have a good life. So somebody with authority prayed and asked God to, to end their tyranny and get rid of that enemy for them. And he did. He let them self-destruct. So it says here, uh, it says the three centuries following the period accounted for in the Book of Acts, the Roman Empire brutally persecuted its Christian citizens in North Africa. You can read about one notable martyr from that period, Cyprian, on page 13. Today, both Islamist groups and government authorities across North Africa persecute Christians severely, even condemning some to public executions Reminiscent of those in Cyprian's days. On a recent trip to North Africa, I visited the ruins of the Colosseum in the ancient city of Carthage in modern day Tunisia, where Perpetua around 200 AD and many other Christians were publicly ridiculed and executed for their faith and witness. I traced Perpetua's steps and imagined what it might have been like for her to walk into the Colosseum 1,800 years ago, knowing that she would be stripped and then mauled to death by leopards in front of thousands of viewers, most of whom relished the spectacle of her death as entertainment. I stood on the very stones that for hundreds of years were stained with the blood of faithful witnesses who refused to deny Christ because they considered faithfulness to him worth worth any price." Today, we are inspired by the unyielding witness of our North African brothers and sisters in Christ who face severe opposition from radical Muslims. Whether uh, slain missionaries and local Christian leaders whose deaths we cannot uh, discuss for security reasons, or Christians who executions by Islamists were widely publicized, such as the 21 Christians beheaded in 2015 on a beach in Libya, Their acts of faithfulness can have powerful effects when we give voice to their sacrifice. Their blood cries out as a witness to the lost, testifying to the truth of the gospel. Their blood also cries out to those of us who follow Christ, jolting us out of our complacency and distraction. It does not condemn us, but rather calls us to remember our first love. My own love for Christ was rekindled as I traced perpetual steps in the Colosseum and considered today's North African martyrs, prompting me to evaluate, identif- identify the value of the person, plans and kingdom of Christ anew. The lamb is worthy easily eclipsing the value of anything and everything we may be called to give in this world, eclipsing the value of anything and everything we may be called to give in this world. I pray that the blood of North African Christian martyrs will cry out to us today and that the testimonies of those featured in this magazine will deepen our love and commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is about an irrepressible church in Algeria. Amen. Praise God. Christianity has flourished in Algeria over the last few decades, growing at a rate of 8% annually compared with the global evangelical growth rate of 2.6%. Most of the growth in Algeria has occurred among the Kaibil uh, Berber people, a minority ethnic group in the mountainous eastern part of the country who speak Kaibil rather than Arabic. Today's Algeria is home to the largest congregation of Christian converts from Islam in the world. And Thank you. the Algerian government has taken notice, closing at least 11 churches last year. In 2018, the Ministry of Religion sent a threatening letter to the church in Tizi Uzo, where Dawson serves as worship leader. The church warned authorities might be closed down because of inadequate safety equipment, such as fire extinguishers. Leaders of the 250-member Kaibel Church knew they must take the government's warning seriously because it had already closed other churches in the region. However, they also knew the complaints were invalid because the Ministry of Religion was citing old information. The church had addressed the safety issues long ago, and authorities had not reinspected the building. They just want to harass us again, Dyson explained. Tension has remained high between the church and the Algerian government for four decades, but Dawson is not worried about the church in Algeria disappearing. Once a radical and member of Jabhat al-Islam, Dawson said he refused to terrorize his older brother, who became a Christian in 1987. But through his brother's persistence and the work of the Holy Spirit, Dawson himself came to know Christ in 1992. I repented of my sins and I thanked the Lord and started a new life, he said. After becoming a Christian, he faced persecution from co-workers, his extended family, and the community. But Dawson held fast to his faith, knowing that God could change the hearts of even the worst persecutors. Today, he leads worship at his church, also serving as an evangelist and teacher of new believers. He often talks with seekers and new believers over the phone to avoid discussing sensitive subjects in public. When a Muslim calls with questions about Christianity, Dawson starts with his own story. I tell them I was a Muslim, and he says, and I was walking according to the tradition of the family and culture, but inside I felt like an orphan. Dawson says the greatest need in the Algerian church is a training to help Christians withstand governmental and societal pressures. Voice of the Martyr supports an underground seminary program in which believers studying theology for two years while working closely with the supporting and with and supporting the efforts of evangelical leaders throughout the country. Last year was exceptionally hard for Algerian churches, according to Youssef, I can't say that, of the Algerian, Youssef, of the Algerian Protestant I guess I could, but, you know, my my Algerian ain't that good, you know. My, my Algeria is poor. Says the Arab world has taken notice of the church growth and is applying pressure on the government to either close them down or weaken them. They are worried the growth will spread outside Algeria, he said. Pressure is also building from within the country as Islamic fundamentalists nervously observed the growing interest in Christianity. There are a lot of people interested in Christianity, he said. It is a subject of everybody's talk, even in cafes and on the streets. Simo, a tall man with a straight posture, hinting at his careers in the army and later as a police investigator, like many of his countrymen, Simo was born a Muslim but had always held his faith lightly. It was tradition and it was culture, but he had felt more loyalty to his country than to his Muslim religion. In the early 90s, Algeria transitioned from a one-party political system to a multi-party system, and surprisingly, an Islamist party then won the election. To avoid the possibility of a government led by extremists, the army quickly took over, launching an insurgency that lasted six years. Simo served as a police detective during the insurgency, and one day he found himself interrogating a young Muslim man who had just... who who justified his violent actions by citing the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. I thought, if all this is right and Islam is telling us to kill, then Islam is not a religion and I can't follow it anymore, he said. Disillusioned with the religion he had grown up in, Simo began to consider Christianity. After visiting some churches, including the Kaibal Protestant Church, he noticed a real difference between followers of Jesus and most Muslims he knew. I found there is a real relationship between these people and God, he said. Sima wanted that kind of relationship with God, so he soon turned his back on Islam and put his faith in Christ. When local Islamic leaders insulted Christians, Simo was never shy about standing up for his faith and expressing his opinions. The Muslim teachers in turn ordered an attack on Simo that resulted in a hospital visit. Still, the pressure from local Muslims only served to strengthen his faith. When he saw new mosques and Islamic schools in the Qaybel region being funded by countries like Qatar and Turkey, he decided to combat their work by establishing a Christian apologetics organization named after St. Augustine. The main purpose of the association was to make Saint Augustine well known among the Kybal, so they can know that this man was a Christian and that and Kybal like them, he said. But the Algerian government denied his application. So instead, he appealed directly to Algerian believers. Any Christian who suffers for their faith or is persecuted, please contact me. He then began sharing their stories of persecution on Facebook. Simo felt strongly about the unfair treatment of Algerian Christians. He wrote letters to Algeria's president, to the European Union, to the Chancellor of Germany, and others expressing his concerns about the mistreatment of Christians in Algeria. You see that global aspect of what's going on in the world? He's sending letters to Germany, European Union, all of these places. Then, in July 2016, Simo was arrested after sharing a message on Facebook stating that the light of Jesus was overcoming the lie of Islam and its prophet. He served 20 months of a five-year sentence in prison, his health deteriorating due to rheumatoid arthritis. Since his release early last year, Simo and his family have fled the country because of death threats. This one is about Ali. Ali was a jihadi. He had a long beard, wore white clothing, and trained to fight alongside the Taliban in Afghanistan. As a devout Muslim, he exhorted his mother and two sisters to be more religious, forbidding them to watch TV. One of Ali's brothers, however, had become a Christian. I thought he had left the true religion and according to Islamic law, he deserves to be dead, Ali said. I would show him the Quran verses and tell him, look, you have to believe. You have to believe back to Islam. Every time we would start talking about this, he would tell me that God loves me and would talk to me about God's love. Ali belonged to an Islamist cell group that distributed tracts about fasting, Islamic dress, and joining a fasting Islamic dress and joining the jihad. But in 1992, following a crackdown on Islamists, he suddenly found himself at the top of the Algerian government's most wanted list. His options were to stay inside all the time or venture out and risk arrest. One day, frustrated with his self-imposed house arrest, Ali went for a bus ride and got off at a random stop. A young man at the bus stop caught his eye. So he asked her if he could talk to her. No, she said bluntly. Don't talk to me. I'm a Christian. Ali was impressed. Oh, he was surprised. Not at least because it was a risky thing for her to admit it. Still, he was attracted to her. So he tried another approach. My brother is a Christian he told her really she said the girl then told him that she had become a a believer by listening to christian radio stations and writing down the bible verses she heard she had never even met a christian as the girl became more comfortable talking with oddly she boldly asked him if he would get to get her bible from his uh, if he would get her a bible from his brother Eager to please, Ali did get her a Bible, and in the process, he became curious about what it had to say. He read the Bible, compared its teachings with the Koran, and began to ask questions at the mosque. Then one night, he had a dream in which Jesus spoke to him. "'Come to me, all who are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" "'Ali woke up and immediately felt "'as if a load had lifted from his shoulders. "'At that moment, he said, "'I woke up and told him, "'Lord, forgive me. "'You are Christ. "'You are God, and I believe.'" Ali eventually married Chaima, the girl from the bus stop, and today they serve as Christian plant as church planters and evangelists among some of the most committed Muslims in western Algeria. They have led many people to Christ over the years and currently lead several small house church groups. Unlike believers in the Kaibal region, Christians in their area cannot meet openly. They meet in homes, cafes, or parks, and they are watched closely by security agents who often take them in for interrogation. People have expressed confusion about the two different Alis they see in their files. When he is brought in for interrogation, inspectors pull out one file with a photo of a young scowling bearded jihadi and a second file with a photo of a clean-shaven man in his 40s radiating light. How are these both you, they ask. Ali then shares his testimony. I used to see you as the enemy of God, he explains, but now I love you because the Bible says to love your enemies. This is what Christ did to change my heart. Two months after his most recent visit to the National Security Office, Ali told Voice of the Martyr Workers that the interrogations never scare him. When he was a terrorist, he said, he lived in with death every day. As his companions were killing, were killed fighting the government, now he lives in the promise of eternal life. Honestly, the Christian life is a painful life, he said, but his joy is undiminished by daily circumstances. When I die, I know where I'm going. He does not yearn for an easier life or some uh, life somewhere else. I love my country, he said. Algeria is a place where Christian martyrs have flooded the earth with their blood although the city where ali and chaima work is very challenging ali said more people are wanting to know about jesus if i if i thought about it with my personal mind i I would think we have a lot of persecution, so no one would be interested. But with my faith, I see the contrary. There are a lot of people who want to, uh, who want to seek Jesus. As Ali and Chima teach new believers, they are careful to warn them of the dangers they will face. They explain that persecution is guaranteed, but encourage them to trust that Jesus will always be with them. Amen. Praise God. Amen good stuff the story of the church in Algeria tells of God's work in overcoming the government's greatest efforts to stop the spread of the gospel some Algerian churches are now sending Christian workers to share the gospel with Arabs not only in unreached parts of Algeria but also throughout the Middle East the Qibal church is a big hope not just for Algeria but beyond Algeria 30 years ago, few could have foreseen such a movement of God in this predominantly Muslim country. But God has chosen some of the least of these, the marginalized Qable people, to share his good news throughout Algeria and build an irrepressible church. Amen. 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 Praise God. Okay, this one is from Tunisia. This is a couple's unyielding outreach. We can do it this way. Tani, a Tunisian, and Boutros, a Syrian, had seen one another engaging with Muslim seekers in Christian chat rooms and respected one another as fellow Christian converts from Islam. Then when they finally met face to face at an organizational meeting in Egypt, they fell in love. When it became clear that God was bringing them together, they began to pray about a legal issue that that threatened to keep them apart. Tani's Tunisian ID card identified her as a Muslim, while Boutros was registered as a Christian. After becoming a Christian as a young man in Syria, Boutros had fled to Egypt to escape family members who were trying to kill him. He was then adopted by a Coptic Christian family in Egypt. Neither Tunisia nor Egypt would allow a Muslim woman to marry a Christian man but by God's grace, the Tunisian embassy in Egypt issued the paperwork and they were able to marry in 2009. Tani and Boutros continued their work, reaching out to Muslims on the Internet, but now they were working together. In 2010, the couple felt called to Tani's home country of Tunisia. We were praying all the time, Tani said, and God gave Boutros a vision that there are people who are crying to God, telling him, come to us and help us. But in early 2011, before they could make the move, widespread discontent and violence later called the Arab Spring. Remember who started that? Come on now. 2011. You're president at that time. Yeah. And Hillary, Secretary of State. Remember they were bragging on the Arab Spring and how it was going to liberate people and all of that kind of stuff? That's where Gaddafi got taken out and then the flood of, of Muslims into Europe started. They're supposed to flood here too. That was the plan. But God. Amen. So before they could make the mood, widespread discontent and violence, later called the Arab Spring, began to sweep the region. Tunisia's longtime president, Uh, Ben Ali, was forced to flee the country while Egypt's dictatorial president Mubarak was forced from office shortly thereafter. Despite the unrest, the couple decided to sell everything and see if they and their baby daughter could make it to Tunisia. Uh, uh, Though Boutras was on a blacklist intended To prevent his entry into Tunisia, the political turmoil and resulting lack of procedure enabled him to enter on a six-month tourist visa. Tani and Boutras rented a house with two extra bedrooms and a large living room, hoping to use their space for their ministry work. After getting settled, they met a 17-year-old girl through their Internet ministry who was being pressured by her parents because of her Christian faith. The couple continued to meet and pray with her Finally, until finally her parents threatened to kick her out of the house. Tani and Boutros invited the girl to live with them for a few weeks while she worked things out with her parents. And soon others experienced persecution from family members began staying with them as well. When Tani and Boutros met some Voice of the Martyr workers and told them how they had helped these new Christians, Voice of the Martyr offered to support their safe house ministry. The couple's goal and hope was to was that each guest would soon reconcile with his or her family or be able to live independently. Some stayed only for a week, while one girl stayed for a year. In Tunisia, there's persecution from the government, but most persecution is from family, Tani explained. When the family wants to put pressure on someone, they will kick him or her out of the house and stop supporting them financially. There are many times where people cannot find a place to stay, and that is so difficult for them. The large living room functioned both as a gathering place for their weekly house church meetings and as a communal reading room throughout the week. Since most persecution in Tunisia comes from immediate family members, Christians are often unable to read their Bibles openly or even to keep one at home. The living room was a welcoming space to read, worship, and pray, and coffee was always ready for those who wanted it. Tani and Boutros were eager to help wherever they saw a need. In addition to operating a mobile medical clinic in rural regions and managing the only Christian bookstore in the country, they also began feeding the homeless. They started by passing out sandwiches to about 10 people, and the work quickly grew to several hundred Many noticed that while Tunisian Muslims weren't serving the needy, this Christian couple was. And soon they had many Muslim volunteers serving alongside them. Unexpected publicity about their homeless ministry, however, caught the attention of the Tunisian government. Their work was featured on several TV news broadcasts in 2014 and 15, and a newspaper article accused them of using the homeless ministry as a cover for evangelism. The Muslim volunteers became angry at Tani and Boutros, persuaded that they had been inadvertently helping them spread their foreign religion. We told them, you are beside us all the time. We don't distribute liber- literature, Tani said. The couple began to receive threatening messages from Tunisians who were offended that they were sharing the gospel in their Muslim country and someone broke Uh, and someone broke into their car. Then the immigration department told Boutros he was in danger to national security and had to leave the country because of his ministry work. The police began to watch the couples every move, waiting in a car outside their house and following them every time they left. At first, Tani and Boutros changed their house church meeting times but when they discovered how tight the surveillance was they decided to divide into four groups that would meet at different locations the homes of two married couples and two single men tani and boutros continued their ministry work under the government's close scrutin- scrutiny for another 2 years but in 2018 the police gave boutros an ultimatum you are here illegally they told him if you don't get out now you go to prison for 3 years their time in Tunisia was finished, but they were pleased with the work God had helped them accomplish in their six years there as they have felt him leading them to split up the house church when they did and put new leaders in place. We are thankful because we are f- Because we are feeling it is good. The house church is not depending on us, and this is great. Today the couple and their two daughters have settled in a new country where they minister to Syrian refugees and continue their online work in the Arab world. They also rejoice that the church has... They planted in Tunisia, continues to meet for study and worship. The Arab Spring Uprising of 2011 brought many political changes to the region, but it also served as a spiritual revolution that cracked open the doors of Islam. There's a huge number of people who are contacting us privately, Tani said. They're asking about Jesus. And Tani and Boutros will joyfully continue to answer their questions and increase their unyielding outreach. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, it's it's always good. Sometimes, you know, it, you have to leave and move and go on to something else. But God always gets his work done. Amen. You're a light wherever you are. So, you know, it's it's I like it when they live, move on and live to to win more souls and to set up more ministry. Amen. Uh, This one is Morocco drawn on the one drawn to the one he once hated. When Mustafa learned that his younger brother Omar had become a Christian after hearing the gospel from a visiting evangelist in their Moroccan city, he felt he had no choice but to act on that day in 2005 he grabbed his brother's bible a book he considered counterfeit and unclean and burned it along with the rest of omar's christian literature as the oldest son he then kicked omar out of the family's home his hatred of christians barred him from sharing a house with an apostate In Morocco, Islam is entwined with every aspect of life, and the country is ruled by a monarch believed to be a direct descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. Mustafa stayed in contact with Omar, hoping to draw him back to Islam. He eventually visited his brother and asked him for a Bible. He thought that if he could show Omar the Bible's errors, he would return to Islam. Omar gladly gave his older brother a Bible and a pen, suggesting he mark each verse that he found problematic. The brothers then discussed the verses that Mustafa highlighted, and Mustafa felt increasingly torn between Islam and Christianity. When he read Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. He felt a desire to respond to the scriptures for the first time. I asked God, where are you? Mustafa said, if you are the one who governs all the world around us, you can tell me the truth. Is it the truth from the Bible? Is the truth from the Bible or the Koran? In the midst of his confusion, Mustafa had a vision in which he fell into a deep hole in the ground as he tried to save himself during his fall, he saw a man whose face was obscured by light. This man, the only one who could truly save him, reached out and embraced him. After the vision faded, Mustafa felt at peace. He opened the Bible Omar had given him and unintentionally flipped to Matthew 7, 7. At this time, I could recognize what he was telling me, Mustafa said. I could recognize that the person who held my hand and gave me a hug was Jesus Christ. He then eagerly shared the experience with his brother who invited him to his church He met with a pastor who helped answer his deeper questions and two months later he turned his back on Islam and placed his faith in Jesus Christ. His Muslim wife, Salma, soon noticed changes in his behavior. Impressed by the peace she saw in her husband's face, Salma didn't mind if he read the Bible. After considering the claims of Christ for herself, she later decided to follow him too. As Mustafa and Salma grew closer together in Jesus, Mustafa's mother and siblings grew bitter toward him. They felt as if he had abandoned them by leaving their family's faith. At the same time, Mustafa's relationship with his country was also growing more turbulent. In 2010, the Moroccan government expelled dozens of Christian foreigners. As a result, Mustafa lost his construction job building structures for a Christian-run orphanage when authorities closed the orphanage and expelled its Christian leaders. Local business owners then linked Mustafa's sudden unemployment with his Christian faith and nobody would hire him. His mother told him God had cursed him for leaving Islam. Moroccan believers who were linked to expel foreigners quickly came under scrutiny by the Moroccan authorities. So predictably, one day, um, Mustafa received a call ordering him to report to the police station. After arriving at the station, an officer pointedly asked him what religion he followed. He said, Christianity. The officer grew angry. His data on the village indicated that no Christians lived there mustafa and salma as well as mustafa's brother omar had somehow managed to evade detection mustafa told the officer that he was willing to be arrested for being a christian but the officer let him go then a week later police ordered mustafa to go to the station again and this time he had to bring salma with him omar happened to be out of the country Throughout the all-day interrogation, officers questioned the two individually and then reunited them for additional questioning. Mustafa demanded to watch his wife's interviews from a nearby room to make sure she was safe, but he watched her answer their questions. He felt overwhelmed by God's grace. At this time, I I understood God's word when it says, I will put words in your mouth, he said. My wife at this time didn't have enough knowledge from the Bible to answer this investigation, but she was answering in an impressive way. Two weeks later, they were interrogated again, and this time Moroccan intelligence agents participated. Authorities hurled questions, questions after question at the couple, occasionally offering financial incentives to lure them back to Islam mustafa's interrogators alternated between beating him and acting like they were his best friend all in an attempt to gain information about his work and that of other christians amid the pressure and intimidation god's word remained in mustafa's and Salma's hearts if you hold the scripture and read it as a living word of god it will be with you at any time mustafa said The interrogations continued for years and in 2012 Mustafa discovered that 16 people from his church had been questioned about him out of fear 10 had turned against him although he fully expected authorities to arrest him and his wife in the end they only asked him to put his Christian faith in writing but from markings but from but far from marking an end of their harassment and instead signaled the beginning of a new form of persecution. The next day, police sent a note to everyone in Mustafa's community announcing that he and his wife had left Islam. Mustafa's friends, relatives, and acquaintances suddenly became adversaries and no one would associate with them. Additionally, Islamists and even former friends started following them, ready to report their Christian activities to police. In October 2012, during the hardest time of their lives, Mustafa and Salma received an unexpected gift. They had prayed for a child of their own for seven years and had nearly abandoned hope, but God surprised them with a son. God always gives us wonderful gifts, Mustafa said. He is faithful. Three years later, Mustafa's former supervisor at the orphanage was allowed to enter Morocco for one week. The man visited Mustafa at home where they ate together and prayed. But local Muslims noticed the foreigner entering Mustafa's home and quickly gathered outside to protest. Many Muslims also went to the police reporting that an evangelist was visiting Moroccan Christians. The angry Muslims stood ready to act on behalf of their Islamic king and country. As Mustafa and Salma felt increasingly alone in their faith, God's presence comforted and sustained them. With Christ at the center of their marriage, they were able to support each other. My wife and I would take time in prayer, and this was our only way to have spiritual bread and would give us hope and life, he said. At the end of 2015, Mustafa enrolled at Voice of the Martyr-sponsored seminary in another North African country. Throughout the two-year program, he was occasionally required to travel to the seminary for a week of intensive study and then return home to complete assignments related to evangelism and church planting. During his study, Mustafa met a Voice of the Martyr uh, worker and shared the life that life had grown more challenging for his family as they felt increasingly isolated and endured continuous monitoring, monitoring by their community. They needed a change. In 2017, the Voice of the Martyr worker helped Mustafa's family relocate to a village near a larger city in Morocco. Mustafa and Salma are now establishing a church there for new Christian converts from Islam. We recently managed to baptize one person, he said. We were so happy because God has allowed us to do that. Mustafa loves meeting new believers and teaching those who face persecution, many of whom once hated Christianity as much as he did. As, and as he ministers to new believers, he struggles to raise his young son as a Christian amid the dominant Muslim culture. Although his son has boldly proclaimed Jesus as king at the Islamic school he attends, the Muslim teacher still influences his thinking. Sometimes he will rehearse Quranic verses, he said. This hurts my heart so much. I do not want him to grow up in the knowledge like this. Mustafa has not been able to find work, so his family relies on Salma's income from her job at a cosmetic store. Like most Christian families in Morocco, they are financially unable to send their son to private school. In light of his attack, uh, uh, of his lack of religious freedom, Mustafa hopes Americans who don't share the gospel with their neighbors will reconsider their freedom to do so. You have a great advantage in America, he says. You have the freedom, a freedom that is not available anywhere else. The message of the Lord is clear. Go make disciples. You just have to use your freedom and win new souls to Christ. Amen. So that's their message to us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. So let me see what else we need to cover here. There's some historic information. This is about Cyprian, the uh, saint they um, uh, mentioned earlier in this publication. Uh, he died in 258 A.D. The Roman Empire's glory was fading, and Emperor Decius was convinced that the gods were angry. Barbaric armies were invading in one region, plagues were affecting citizens in other areas, and the economy was suffering. See what happens when you murder God's people. In an attempt to appease the gods, Decius issued an edict In A.D. 250, that every Roman citizen throughout the empire offer a sacrifice. After completing the sacrifice, citizens were issued a libellus, or certificate, as proof of their loyalty to Rome and to the gods. For the Christians, however, this was idolatry. Those who refused to obey the edict were imprisoned immediately, and many died a martyr's death. But Decius did not want to, to create martyrs. He wanted apostates. And many Christians did eventually comply with the edict, paying others to make sacrifices in their place or making the sacrifice themselves, considering a a libelous, uh, a harmless piece of paper representing a meaningless act. Meanwhile, the church in Carthage, modern day Tunisia, had appointed a former attorney named Cyprian, who had known the Lord for only three years as its bishop. And the new bishop faced a dilemma. Should he stay in Carthage and face persecution or provide leadership to his church from the safer, distant location? He knew that Jesus at times called his followers to face persecution, but he also knew there were times when it was wise to flee. Cyprian decided to flee. From his distant location, Cyprian set about uh, getting aid and encouragement to Christians. He sent church leaders to care for the persecuted and had money delivered to Christians who were sentenced to work in mines, a sentence that only one in ten survived. By the year 251, the persecution under Decius had begun to abate and Cyprian returned to Carthage. He and church leaders had a new problem, however. What should they do with the lapsed believers, those who had made the sacrifice or purchased the fraudulent libelists? Should the church readmit them who had betrayed Christ? The issue divided the church, and some, considering Cyprian a coward for fleeing during the persecution, felt they had more authority than Cyprian to decide who should be restored to the church. Cyprian quickly assembled the bishops of the region to resolve the matter, and they decided to readmit all who had purchased or acquired the certificate without making the sacrifice. Those who had made the sacrifice would be admitted only at the time of their death or after proving their faith during a new wave of persecution. They did not readmit those who sacrificed and were unrepentant. After the issue was resolved, Cyprian re- returned to his work of sending aid and relief to needy believers, such as those suffering from the plague in Africa and Christians who had been enslaved by Berber raiders. Several years later, in 257, Emperor Valerian large- launched a new wave of persecution in an attempt to control the spread of Christianity. Church leaders and prominent lay people were banished Church property was confiscated and believers were prohibited from assembling. This time Cyprian chose not to flee and he was among those banished. When Valerian's persecution took a harsher turn and Cyprian was sentenced to death as an enemy of the Roman gods and law, he calmly responded with Deo Gracias, which is Latin for thanks be to God or praise God on on september fourteenth two hundred and fifty eight Cyprian was executed joining the many Christians who had been martyred before him amen so that 's some roman history man you want to know what what declined Rome or what ended the, the glory of Rome was that the blood of the martyrs amen vengeance is mine says the lord he repays how he repays so here we have uh, our um, prayer needs we have one uh, from the um, church in China which right now is undergoing some persecution <clears throat> it says here mass arrests of Chinese megachurch members continue some violently beaten nearly 50 more members including 11 kids of Chinese megachurch uh, closed down by the communist government in December, were arrested at two different venues last Sunday, a watchdog group has reported. Following the closing of the early reign covenant church and the arrest of its pastor, Pastor Wang, for inciting subversion of state power, government actors are continuing to harass members of the congregation as they gather for worship inside of homes. Pastor Wang in a sermon waiting together for the day of redemption preached on September 9, 2018, at Early Rain Covenant Church in China. According to an update from the church, multiple homes that were hosting prayer group gatherings on September, I'm sorry, February 24th, were surrounded by police officers who ultimately interrupted proceedings. At two of the home church services, every person in attendance was detained. China aid found, founder Bob Fu, a well-respected human rights activist who has on a number of occasions testified before Congress, tweeted that at least 11 of those who were arrested received a punishment of 10 to 14 days administrative detention. Arbitrary arrest continues, Fu stressed. Walk with, with the, walk with the persecuted. There were reports of children, the elderly and even pregnant women being mistreated. Pastor Wang's elderly mother was reportedly insulted and beaten. According to a state statement released by the church, two Christians who were arrested were violently beaten. Uh, Tang Chulang and his wife were hit in the face by plainclothes police officers at the police station. Some, including children, did not eat anything. Some were not released until 2 a.m. Tired, children slept on ice-cold tables and floors. Others were not released until 6 a.m. On Saturday, two more church goers were arrested when they went to Chengdu Police Station to visit their detained friends. They were then taken to the uh, wrote the police station where they were locked up and interrogated. A statement on March 2nd uh, from the church reads, At 2 p.m. while being interrogated, they were personally humiliated, abused, and violently beaten by seven to eight police officers uh, from their police station. They were reta- detained for nearly eight hours. Arrests and detentions are not the only forms of harassment, the early rain covenant members have faced. According to the church, authorities have put pressure on landlords and employers. This has resulted in some churchgoers losing their homes and jobs. Some have had to move back to their hometowns. At least one family member of a church elder has been forced to move on multiple occasions as they have been deemed illegal residents. Each time they are evicted, they find a new place to live. Then after they spend a few days adapting to their new home, police and national security come to their door and through various methods drive the family out of their home again. In December, following the arrest of Pastor Wang, over 160 church members were arrested. China ranks as the 27th worst country in the world when it comes to persecution of Christians, according to Open Doors USA watch list. Last year, Fu warned the Chinese government is supervising a plan to rewrite the Bible in its attempt to syno-syno-size oh, Christianity Sino means um, Chinese. Religious freedom in China has really reached the worst level that it has not been seen since the beginning of the cultural revolution by Chairman Mao in the 60s. Um, so, you know, there are, are things increasing in different areas. You know, the enemy's angry all the time. But he likes to retaliate when he suffered loss. And so we, we just believe that we are making inroads every time that we pray and that God sees this. He knows it and he's helped for these people. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get our prayer out. We're going to pray one second. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Let me get my, our list of uh, areas that we're going to pray for specifically and uh, allow God to work and help and do what he needs to do to make sure that people are uh, have the freedom to worship him, you know. And uh, that can happen anywhere at any time. Uh, God can always help and always prevail against these, you know, just uh, bad situations. He knows how to deliver the righteous out of trouble. Amen. Trouble comes to us sometimes to purify us as well. And so God has the wisdom to know uh, what to do and how to direct people and how to speak to them and help them in their evangelism, uh, supernaturally, you know, he knows how to respond to people just like he responded to these Muslims that didn't know him. He'll speak to you in a vision and a dream. Amen. And when it's too dangerous for people to share with you, God knows how to reach a person's heart. So we're just so thankful for all of the ways that God has, uh, to meet the people's needs. Amen. Amen. If anybody has a calendar, Anybody bring their calendar with them for this month and can let me know what country we're praying for today? Saturday is the 10th. Somalia. Okay, no guessing. I want to know, okay? What is it? All right, thanks. I just want the right one. So y'all pray for Somalia tomorrow, okay? (laughs) Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Father, we come before you pleading your precious blood of your son, Jesus. He has given us access to your throne room of grace. Lord, we know that you have given us grace to find mercy in our time of need, and we're asking for mercy on behalf of your persecuted church. We ask you for mercy on behalf of these people uh, in, in northern Africa, the people in Morocco, the people in Tunisia, the people in Algeria, the people in um, Libya, and the people in Egypt. And we thank you, Father, especially for those nations, but we pray also for China. We pray also for North Korea, which is at the top of the list as far as persecuted nations are concerned. We pray also for, um, we're at Iraq, We pray that pastors will be encouraged in their work despite many challenges. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you are doing for the persecuted uh, nations of this world. We thank you, Lord, also for people in America that they would wake up and begin to pray for their neighbors and pray for all who don't know you and boldly declare your gospel to every living creature because we know the gospel is the power of God We thank you, Lord, that the power of God is in our mouth and in our heart. And so we want to release your word of salvation, release your word of healing and deliverance to those who are in need. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray for the protection of precious cargo. We bind you, destruction, retaliation, and death. We plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that the atonement has made provision for us according to your precious blood. Thank you, Lord. We dwell under the shadow of the almighty. Thank you, Lord. Satisfy us with long life. We pray the blessing of Moses that we live to be 120. Our eye will not be dim nor our natural strength abated. Not a hair of our heads will fall to the ground in Jesus name. No weapon is formed against us will accomplish what it sets out to do. We are blessed coming in and going out. We have strength for coming in and going out. We have power over serpents and scorpions. If we eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. If the enemy comes at us one way, he must flee seven. We pray this for every Christian everywhere. One of us can chase a thousand. Two of us can put 10,000 to flight. Thank you, Lord. Your glory goes before us. It is our rear guard. Every tongue that should rise up against us in judgment, we will condemn. Others trust in the arm of flesh. We trust in the living God because your mercy hovers over us. In quietness and confidence shall be our strength. Lord, you're our son and our shield, our banner, our healer, our peace, and our great reward. Your name is a strong tower. We run in and we are safe. And by your stripes we were healed. We are redeemed from the penalty and cursed for our sins by your precious blood. Thank you, Lord. None of the diseases that you put on the Egyptians will be put on us. You send your word and heal us. We walk in the spirit and not the flesh and we're not condemned, but we walk in joy and we walk in strength. We thank you, Lord, that we will receive your glory. Thank you, Lord, that we are carriers of your glory. I thank you, Lord, your glory will never cease to increase in this earth. Let it be over all the earth as the waters cover the seas. Let the people who are in these persecuted nations give them more boldness, give them more power, give them more incentive to reach out, Father. Increase, increase, increase their righteousness, Father. We thank you that they will consider nothing. Consider themselves nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in you, Lord. Let them look to a brighter day. Let them look to a better day. Let them look to a day when you will reveal yourself to all humanity because of their obedience to you. So we thank you, Lord, to give all of them a vision of increased glory in their lives, increased anointing, increased power, more miracles more understanding of your goodness and your glory father give them more boldness increase them father we thank you for the work that you have done in releasing people From years and years of imprisonment, Father, we thank you to release more of them, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the work that this country is doing to help people get free from the tyranny and oppression of dictators and Muslim persecution. Father, we thank you that you will silence the voices of people in our country who are speaking of violence against Israel. We spay, we, uh, pray, uh, for, um, Elon Oman. We, uh, pray to, uh, Tlaib, um, uh, what's that girl's name? Kal- yeah, her, but I said her. Who's the other one? Talib is her last name. Father, we ask you to silence their voices. We ask you to teach them respect for your word and respect for this nation. Father, we curse every single work that they're involved in and that they will not prosper in the name of Jesus, that Muslim uh, spirit that has infiltrated our government will not prosper. We curse its works. We command its tongue to cleave to the roof of the mouth. We bind its power in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for silencing their voices. We thank you they will not speak. They will not speak up. We pray for Ocasio-Cortez to silence her voice in the name of Jesus. She is not the boss of anything. We say, Father, that they are just remnants of the destruction that you have wreaked against the prince over uh, Washington, D.C., we consider them to be some of the debris and the fallout that is left from this removal of this evil prince over our nation's capital. So we thank you, Lord, to sweep up the debris, get rid of the remnant that's left, sweep the city of Washington, D.C., of all debris, Father. We thank you to capture it and pull it down and cause it to cease. In Jesus' name, Amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. There's a a woman in in D.C. who is part of um, the um, Middle Eastern Women's Coalition that is lobbying against Sharia law in foreign nations and in this nation. And she did ask me to pray uh, for for her meeting. They were having a meeting. She wanted to pray that they would be able to speak; their voices would be heard. And she did ask me to pray for uh, Omar. And so I I wrote her back and I said, "We'll we'll tell the Lord to cause her tongue to cleave to the roof of her mouth." And so um, the next day uh, there was a reporter following her, asking her questions, and she pretended to be talking to somebody. One of her little workers, she was talking to us. She never spoke up. So we thank you, Lord, for answers to prayer. Thank you, Lord, to keep her silenced. Father, we thank you, Lord, to get her out of Congress. She doesn't belong there. She doesn't love this nation. Father, we say anybody who swears on the Koran will answer to you. So we thank you, Lord, that these people answer to you anyway. And they must be, have allegiance to you and to this government or they will not last. So we ask you to remove them from Congress, and we thank you, Lord, for giving us one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, 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 again. Praise God, amen. So anytime you see these people speaking, you pray and you tell God to just, you know, stop them, shut them up. Cause their tongue to cleave to the roof of their mouth and be bold about it. You know, don't be scared of anything. Fear is just a devil. Amen. So you don't obey it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So um, can we, it's time to pray, right? We put on some music. Anybody needs prayer? Come on up yourself. Praying for more sick people. Praying for more lost people. Uh, just imagine, leave that on thank you just imagine yourself, put yourself in the place of a divine connection to carry out God's will that's what your imagination is for you have a spiritual imagination that can help you to cut a path for your life you know the Bible says his word is a lamp unto my feet a light to my path well that's how it lights it that's how it does it it projects you into that place of carrying out God's word so it's a good thing to allow yourself to see yourself doing these things it's not made up and it's not listen the devil don't have an imagination for you doing anything for God you understand me so allow yourself the freedom to see yourself carrying out the word of the Lord see yourself Praying for people that you don't know, total strangers. Going up to people and asking them, you know, the Lord it wants me to tell you this. You know, it's simple things like that. Like I was in Aldi's the other day and I really didn't. It was one of my last stops to, to go to and, and get home and I wanted to get home. And so I went through the line and thought to talk to this girl. And then when I got to put my groceries away, I was a bag short. So I had to go back to her and get another bag. Of course, there was nobody there and the Lord told me, he said, tell her I'm going to help her. And and so I said, you know what, the Lord told me to tell you, he's going to help you. I don't know what it is, but he said, she said, you know what, I'm really worried, she I'm moving this weekend. Now see, a move, who would think, you know, it might worry me too, if I I can't be lifting a whole lot of stuff. And you don't know what people are facing. But she said, thank you for that. She said, I appreciate it. Thank you for that. And see, just see yourself doing God's will in the simple things. You know, don't go promise nobody to be a millionaire. But but God wants to help everybody. You know, he wants to lift burdens. So, you know, allow yourself the freedom to imagine yourself carrying out the Word of the Lord in everyday situations. And pretty soon you will see yourself there. Uh, God is visiting the Muslims in visions and dreams. And He will do the same thing with His people. Give yourself the ability to do that and and let God visit you and let Him help you to strengthen yourself and give yourself confidence and boldness that He's going to use you. Amen? So we'll let these finish. If nobody else needs prayer... Oh, y'all popped up too (laughs) quick. (laughs) <laughs> it's popped right on up there. <laughs> Praise God. Look, 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 look. You know the first one in the pool. It's
1: for you, it's for you, it's for you. It's for you, it says the Lord. Don't doubt it, don't doubt it. Don't go home without it. Don't go out without it glory of the lord it's on you it's upon you it's for you you call for it and it's here it's here it's here i'm here you're here receive me don't hold back it's for you says the lord oh my glory you need it so bad you need it you need it to rest at night you need it to get up can't do anything without it says the lord it's the glory of the lord hallelujah it's what i shed my blood to give you it's what i want you to have it's the glory of the lord coming 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 it's here oh don't fight it don't walk around stand still and receive it says the lord it's the glory it's the glory it's the glory learn how to obey me be empowered like you never knew before, says the Lord, says the Lord, says the Lord. For you it's for you. Oh, it's nothing like it, nothing like it. Notice me, notice me, and I'll notice you. What you give to me, I'll multiply and give back to you in the glory, says the Lord. It is for you, it is for you. Oh for you, it's for you, it's for you, you've been asking me for stuff for you, and this is for you. Ask no more, it's here, says the Lord, it's always been here for you. Pay attention to me and notice me and you'll get it, says the Lord. Act like I'm the only one in the building, in the room, says the Lord. Let me be your focus all the time and you'll get it, says the Lord. It's the glory of God coming down for you. Oh, it's for you. It's for you. I did it all for you. It's the price I paid. This is what you get. You get everything and some in my glory.
0: My glory. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. shine upon you and be gracious unto you and may the eternal god lift his countenance upon and give you peace in jesus name amen amen and amen again praise God amen